Welcome to the Life Church. We are so excited that you've tuned into our program to listen to a wonderful message. On behalf of Pastor Walt Landers, our senior pastor, we just want to say thank you. Our mission here at the Life Church is to connect people with God's purpose. If you don't already have a church home, we want to invite you to join us at 3301 TLC Way. Now let's prepare our hearts to receive a word from God through this morning's message. I've got this 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 issue I've been I've been wrestling with. You see, um, we've we've got this thing called the game, and uh, I'm going to talk about this today, the game. And let me let me change this. I don't want to fall over while I'm speaking, so let's do it like this. Never can see my game. Now this game doesn't look very old, but let me tell you. This game is as old as humanity itself. The game that this represents. Because in this box is a game that has divided fathers and sons and sons and fathers. This is the game that has put brother against brother. This game is the source of many divorces. Not just destroying families through the relations, but even through divorce. It's in this game that destruction takes place. This game has ended friendships, turning friends into enemies, pitting them against one another. This game has started riots. This game has fueled slavery. This game is a source of hatred and racism. It has started wars. It has started wars by putting nation against nation. It has started wars by putting nation against itself through civil wars. It has ended civilizations. Entire generations have been lost because of this game through the destruction and genocide that is this game, that is the game. This game, there is truly no limit to the destruction that is caused by playing this game. Before I tell you the name of this game, the real name, it's not the game, but before I tell you the name of this game, I, I made a comment that this game is as old as humanity. And so if it's as old as humanity, let's, let's look in our Bible and let's go to Genesis chapter 4 where we find a story about Cain and Abel. Where we find two brothers. And in Genesis chapter 4, we'll start in verse 3. It says, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel, well, he also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. I love every time God asks a question, every time even Jesus asks a question, he doesn't ask the question for him to know the answer. He asks a question for us to know the answer. Adam, where are you? He says in the garden. The question was not for God. The question was for Adam. 
And God says, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you will do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Actually, that's watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. Yeah, and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain another question, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? I love the New King James, and I still, even though I read in the New Living a lot, um, or even the message or whatever else, or, but, but I still see this, and I hear the New King James, am I my brother's keeper? Guess what, Cain? You just answered your question that God asked. But you answered your own self. Are you your brother's keeper? Yes. You see, in this is the origination of the game. Because the game that became played by Cain is called us versus them. What is this game, us versus them? You see, for Cain, it was all of a sudden, there was a separation between him and his brother, that they were no longer one, they were no longer together, they were no longer family, that they were separated. It was me versus him. It was us versus them. It was to create a separation, a division, to put one against the other. And what we see is Cain, sin is crouching at your door, Cain. Anger has overcome you, and what is that going to lead to? It led to murder, it led to hate, it led to division. And we see this game being played out in our world still today. It's as old as humanity has never stopped, and it is still today. Where do we see this game, the world's game? Well, we see it in our nations. We see it in our politics. We see it in our race, the color of our skin. We see it in our education, the level of our education. It's, it's my degree versus your lack of degree or vice versa. We see it in cat lovers versus dog lovers. Some of you know you hate. I got both cats and dogs. I just put up with both of them. None of them are mine, by the way. I got three pets in my house and not one of them mine. Two daughters and a wife. Uh, yeah. Just, just give you an idea where I stand, playing the game in my house. We see this game being played out with the LGBT. We see this game being played out in religion versus religion. And, and it's not enough that we would even play this in religion versus religion. Christianity versus Buddhism or Hindu or, or Muslim, uh, Islam or, or, or whatever, atheism. But then we even bring the game within our our own sect of Christianity, and it's got to be my version of Christianity versus your version of Christianity, my church versus your church. And we see this game being played out. I know this game. I used to try to battle this game as a youth pastor. And as a youth pastor, I wanted, always wanted to make sure that kids 
felt included and accepted and that they were seen, they were recognized for who they were, not what they did or, or what they had on or what they accomplished, but just them as an individual. And, and I'd play ping pong with them and, 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 or basketball. And it was always like, it was never going to be about me versus them. And I was going to even take it easy on them and, 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 and try to make sure they were included, let them score a couple points, right? But then I'd play foosball with them. Let me tell you, foosball, I didn't care. I played the game with foosball. It was me versus all, every single one of them. I was going to destroy them. I was, my goal was to make them cry back to their mommy at the end of youth. I did not care. I know this game. I honestly more seriously know this game throughout my life, even beyond that. Not just in the lives that I see lived out in our church or in our community or my family or online. And sometimes it's hard. I like, I like to say it, it's, it's part of the human condition and a part of the conditioning of the human. Because it's something that's innate within us to create these divisions, these, these, these separations between us and others. And then our culture and our society builds this, feeds this. We know we, we see this. And sometimes we have those experiences and that that that. that type of person, that type of people group, that whatever that difference, that, that, that thing I can determine that they're different from me, and then I've been hurt by that person, so now I lump everybody into that group. And I'll hold that offense to an entire group of people based on all these different categories. Because I've been hurt. Maybe my family was hurt. Maybe it was someone that was close to me was hurt by one of those people. That one, of the, one of the people that believed that thing. Maybe it wasn't how they looked different, but it was how they sounded different. I, I, I got caught up in this just a, a while back. You know, we, we, of course, have our Facebook feed. I've been off Facebook for a little while, but I still have, like, news and things like that. And Man, you, you get at the stories. You know where the craziest stories come from? And I don't want to pick on them too bad, but... Uh, I'll just blame the media on it. And, uh, but like, it's, it's the craziest stories come out of Florida. And I found myself the other day, I'm like, man, I am never going to Florida. I'm like, oh my goodness, another, another news headline of Florida man, blah, blah, blah. Florida alligator ate Florida man, blah, blah, blah. Like, Florida ate Florida dog. Like, there's always an alligator eating something. I'm like, I'm not going to Florida. And that's totally untrue. Like, I love Florida. I've been to Florida so many times, but I found myself all of a sudden making a statement, I'm never going back to Florida. Like, what kind of crazy is that? Because I was getting caught up in the game, even though it seemed so innocent. But as we see, as we continue, sometimes what seems maybe innocent or small will tend to lead to something bigger. And we see that with Cain and Abel. What seemed so small with Cain became the source of murder. We went from simply disobeying God in the garden to murder. Like, that's a huge jump. And we made that in a very short amount of time. And so surely I'm not like Cain, though. Surely I'm not the one killing. Surely I'm not the one murdering. So therefore, I, I, can't, I can't identify with Cain in this situation because I've not done it myself. Have I? Have I been killing God? 
have I been in this place? And as I wrestled with this question, I had to look. Well, I had to look at Jesus. Jesus, what do you say that I've been doing? And in Jesus' words, in the red letters of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, You have heard that our ancestors were told. I love when Jesus does this several times. You have heard. He says, You have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, oh, Jesus, one of the smallest words in our language, but that has one of the greatest meanings in our language, because you know something's coming after when Jesus says, but. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. What? What? Jesus, come on now. If you're even angry with someone, seriously, Jesus? If you call someone an idiot, I preached this just a couple weeks ago on Arlington campus, and I was staying in the north area of the DFW, having to make a 40-minute, 45-minute drive through the DFW down to the Arlington campus for that Sunday morning to preach. I had already typed this sermon. I called someone an idiot on my way. If you even call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Whoa. But how is that not true that in the midst of us creating these separations and playing the game of us versus them, making it about this competition, this rivalry, do I not tend to get into a place of hate it doesn't mean we can't disagree on something. It doesn't mean we can't have differences. We are human. But how do I act in the midst of it? And how do I think about the person that's on the other side of the table? But let's be real, most of the time we're not arguing across the table. We're arguing in here. And Jesus said, it's the murder and it's taking place in here. But Jesus, tribalism has done our, our people group so well for so long. For millennia, it, tribalism has, has been a benefit to people groups. That, that I know who to trust, and I know who not to trust. I know who's in and who's out. And if you come from the outside, then, then I need to protect this. And, and, and we function in these ways. It's really easy in this, this tribalism because, well, how will I know who's us if I don't know who's them? How will I even know that there is an us if I don't know that there's a them? Oh, we like our groups. We like our fences. We like our separation, our, our, our keeping us apart. And how will I know and... Well, when we see what we look for and we defend what we see and what we look for defines our differences rather than our similarities. And too many times we determine who's them for the purpose of arguing, of separating, of hating. And here's what I've been, I've been wrestling with this more and more and more. 
Because to battle them is to battle us. To fight them is to fight us. You will know, the world will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And so if I'm hating my brother, then I'm hating my God. If I'm hating this other person who's created in the image of God, then I must be hating my God. And Jesus tells me if I'm hating them, then I'm murdering them. So if I'm murdering them, then I'm murdering my God, and my God has already died once. He died on a cross for my sins to show his love and to connect us. My Jesus, my God. And wasn't it me that drove the nails through his hands? Even then. So why would I continue to do it now, even after I've accepted him? But that's the game. It's the us versus them. And we like the idea, and we even quote the idea in the church. This battle we're in is not about flesh and blood. But powers and principalities. We're not at warfare with flesh and blood, and maybe a good time that we say amen. But then we turn around and we go into fighting them. We celebrate this concept of the weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood until that group, until that group is protesting or that group is disagreeing with our viewpoint or that group is being obviously different than the way I'm used to. Saying something we don't like. Jesus, he showed us something different. I love this statement. Do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? And that was the very principle of Jesus. Do I not destroy my enemies by making them my friends? This Jesus that would come down to earth, God in the flesh, to love all, not just the ones who looked like him, sounded like him, spoke his language, or did the things the way he did. I mean, nobody did the things that Jesus did. Nobody did it the way he did it. Even the ones that followed him didn't get it right. And he shows back up and doesn't ridicule them or scowl them. He encourages them to do it this way still. And Jesus comes and sets this different kind of example the ones who were deserving and undeserving, the ones who accepted him and rejected him. Yet Jesus would come down and show his love regardless of their tribe, regardless of their division, regardless of who they thought they were or chose to follow. Jesus came down to destroy the game of us versus them. But how? hard, maybe impossible. Again, this game is as old as humanity. What, what is my role and how do I do something different now about it? And let me tell you, I'm, I'm presenting a conundrum, a challenge uh, of, of the issues, but I'm not necessarily giving you the how. I can point to Jesus and tell you that he is the way, the truth, and the life. It was not just a lottery ticket to heaven, but a way of living our lives as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ's disciples. But the challenges we face as individuals in our lives, and I don't know your story, your hurts, your pains. But I think about this song. This song has a title, Us For Them. And in the song, the lyrics go, we will not fight their wars. We will not fall in line. 
Because if it's us or them, it's us for them. It's us for them. Whose wars? This is the world's game. It's the world's war. It's what fueled the world war. More than one of them. So we will not fight their wars, doing it the world's way. In the next section of the song, it says, we reject the either or. They can't define us anymore. Because if it's us or them, it's us for them. It's us for them. I can only imagine my Jesus on the cross. As he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Who, Jesus? Just the Jews? Just the disciples? Are you, are you speaking to even the centurion soldiers that are hanging you on that cross? Are, are, are you speaking to all the ones who stood by and said nothing as well as the ones who drove the nails through your hands? Who, Jesus? Who does this apply to? Because if it's us or them, it's us for them. It's us for them. I picture my Jesus wearing this You Matter shirt, and I picture him wearing this shirt in every situation, in every circumstance, in every people group, in every nation, on every side of the tracks, on every neighborhood, on every church. I picture my Jesus that there is no place that he would not go wearing this shirt. Because why? He did not die just for one. He did not die just for me. He did not die just for us. But he died for all. Are we willing to do the same? Are we willing to even go into a people group? Even in our imagination, are we able to imagine ourselves standing among a people group that we cannot agree with, that we cannot understand, but would we be willing to stand in the midst of people that we feel divided from and separated from and wear this shirt and be willing to say that you matter, that people matter to God and people matter to us, and I love you, and I may not be able to understand you, but I love you and my God loves you. I love this quote. Us versus them is the devil's game, and the devil doesn't care which side you play. As a Christian, sometimes I'm like, oh, hold on a second, though. Like, like, I've got my salvation. I got my Jesus. I know I'm going to heaven. So how can you tell me that I'm playing the devil's game? Because we may have our ticket to heaven, our, our way out of this world, but if we are fueling his game, the game of our enemy that says the game, the us versus them game, then what are we actually fueling? Is it his game or his game? Us versus them is the devil's game, and the devil doesn't care which side you play. And so what do I do? Why am I caught up in this game? Why are we caught up in this game? We see it every day. Even if you didn't say the things, you might have shared the things on Facebook. Sometimes it's like the Good Samaritan that I shared during offering where it's, it's not what I did do, but what I didn't do. I chose to walk by and not show the care for the person in the ditch. 
the person that was different than me. So then I, as I wrestled with this, I, I said at the beginning, this game is as old as humanity. The problem is, in the example that I started with, Cain and Abel, well, I showed you from a human to human situation. But if what I say is true, that this game is as old as humanity, then I must go back to the original creation of humanity. And so we started in Genesis chapter 4, so let's go back one more chapter, and let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And what do I see in Genesis chapter 3? I see Adam and Eve in the garden. Oh, and there's the tree of life. There's the, the good tree. And then there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that Adam had received instruction regarding. And we see this conversation between a serpent and a woman, and I won't have it on screen. You can go back and look at it later in Genesis chapter 3. Because there's a statement that's made. When the serpent speaks to the woman and says, will, will you actually die? The serpent wants to create a little bit of questioning, a little bit of doubts. He says, surely, if you eat of this tree, you will be like God. Whoa, 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 whoa. hold on, serpent. Let me, let me process this for a moment. If I eat of this, I will be like God. I, I, I thought I was already like God. I thought that God came down, created man, and said, let us make man in our image. And now the serpent tells me or makes me believe that I have to do this to be like God the serpent, you see what he did, he so subtly created a separation between God and his creation. And got the woman to believe that she was not who she was created to be. Got Adam to believe that he was not who God created him to be. How many times do we not believe that we are who God created us to be? With our purpose, with our blessings, with, our, with the, the, the way he has made us, that we are connected to God, close to God, and yet the serpent wants to come in, the enemy wants to come in and make us believe that we are separated from the one who loves us, our Heavenly Father. And we buy into this, this doubt, this question, this unbelief that creates even a shame. I wish I could go even deeper into the thought process of what happened here. And Adam eats of the fruits. But let me tell you what happened with Adam first is he believed the lie. Adam believed the lie that he was separated from God and then his actions were a result of what he believed. So how many times are our actions a result of what we believed? And it's not believing in the positive, it's believing in the negative. We are believing that there is a lack in our lives of who we are in Christ Jesus, that there is a difference and a separation between us and our creator. But he made us with a purpose. We are his. He calls us son and daughter, calls us royalty, and puts a ring around our, on our finger and a robe around us and calls us into a purpose with a plan. And yet we will sit back and believe that we are less than. And then we'll take that less than and we apply it to others. We feel like there's a, a, a battle between us and our God and us and them, Father, Son, Holy Spirits. And we feel like we are in this battle of trying to get back to our God, and therefore others must be in a battle of getting from their level to our level. That we're not the same. That we're not all created in the image of God. And that they're less than. 
Maybe they know it, maybe they don't know it. But we stand in a place, we stand in a place of believing that they're less than, playing the game. How have you been caught in the game? Have you been caught in the game like Cain, playing the game across the field? You with other people? Or maybe your issue is like what we see here with Adam and Eve in the garden as old as humanity. Maybe you've even accepted Jesus, but you still feel trapped because you made a mistake, you messed up, and you still feel like you are trying to through your own process, through your own accomplishments, your own achievements, that you are still trying to bridge the gap between you and your Father, your Heavenly Father, that you are still trying to be the one to build the tower to reach heaven. When God says it's not you coming to heaven, it's heaven coming to you. He says in Romans 5a, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. For one, no, for a few, no, for a certain people group, no, but for us, each and every one of us. From God's perspective, he said, I see the game that you got trapped in, and I've been showing you this game, and now I'm going to destroy the game through my son, Christ Jesus, who will defeat death with death. He will defeat the very enemy with the purpose and the way that the enemy chooses to fight, and it will be no longer your game. You think that death is still the thing that you're trying to overcome, the separation. And God says, no, that I am life, I am eternity, I am the way. If we could only see that our enemy is not them, that our true enemy is Satan, is, the, is him, it is his ways, it is, it is not flesh and blood. And I'll end with this very famous scripture. John 3, 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Salvation is not a roll of the dice. It is not trying to just get that magical roll. Even after you said the prayer, if you still felt like you've been playing the game, or you still felt like you were trapped in this box of determination of saying this is who you are. You are not like you think you are. You are not yet who you're supposed to be, and so you get trapped in this situation. And the enemy's voice is whispering so cleverly in our ears. He's trying, keep rolling that dice, keep rolling it, keep looking for the right hand. You gotta get the magical connection of the cards and get that, that right combination so that you can be connected with your God and get close to your creator. But no, God says, no, 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 no. Playing the game is as pointless as playing the game of war. No one wins in war. War is all about chance, unless you're a cheater. Unless you're like, you know, slotting the cards where you want them so you know you can play that ace when you want to play that ace, right? Or the king. No one wins. Both people lose in war because all you do is you lost a bunch of time. 
how much time have we wasted playing the game? Our God is just looking to be close to us, to speak to us. Saying, quit wasting time. Quit rolling the dice. I've already made the way. I've already paid the price. It's all done. Just turn to me. How have we played the game? We all play it. And at times when I think maybe I can get past the game, I can find myself getting caught in the trap of playing the game. We have plenty of opportunities in our world. Is it easy? No. But that's the sacrificial love of our Christ Jesus, our Savior. It wasn't about easy. It was about necessary. It was about doing what had never been done. And I think what's most important for the future of the church is at least for us to recognize when someone or something is trying to get us caught into playing the game instead of loving our neighbor and get us caught in the us versus them instead of recognizing that it's just all us. There's no separation. And am I really in danger of going to heaven one day and showing up and seeing the face of my Jesus and walking up and Jesus be like, hold on a second, before you step in, let me just tell you something. We've got an issue with our records of your life. And is Jesus really gonna look at me and say, we have a problem, I think you loved too much. No, 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 no. If I've got any fear in my life at this point, it's that I would show up and God be like, what did you do with what I gave you? Because I gave you love. Did you pour out love? I gave you grace. Did you pour out grace? I gave you mercy. Did you pour out mercy? What will be the thing that I answer for? And I hope that if only God would say, in the face of my Jesus, you loved too much. That's my prayer for the church. Is that we loved too much. We accepted too much. We destroyed separations too much. We looked at people in the eye too much. And we wore this shirt too much. Can I pray for you this morning? Can I pray for myself? Can I pray for us? Can I pray for our church? If you'll bow your heads, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up, I'm closing. Father, we are sorry. We are sorry for that we have played this game, this game that is as old as humanity. We are sorry for getting trapped in the us versus them mentality. We are sorry for creating division when you desired unity. We are sorry for hating when really we have been murdering. We are sorry that what we have held against one another, we have held against you. 
And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. That even in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our mistakes, in the midst of our, of our hatred, that you would continue to show us the opposite of our actions. That you would continue to show us love in the midst of our hate. That you would continue to accept us in the midst of our rejection. That you would continue to look upon us when we would choose to turn away from us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I want to lead us in a short prayer, church. May you're here. And maybe this has resonated with you in the sense of the game, the challenge that you've been playing this game with the people, with, with other groups and, and, and all the divisions. But, but maybe you're here. Maybe you've been struggling because you've prayed the prayer of salvation, but you have still felt separated from God. You've still allowed the enemy to speak into your life saying that you are not his creation. You have got to do this and accomplish this to be accepted by your heavenly father. And that is not what Jesus says. That's what the enemy says. And maybe you've prayed the prayer before. And let me, let me just say this. It's time to end the game. It's time to end the game of separation. That you want to you pray the prayer. And you just want to say, this is it. This is it. I'm connected to my heavenly father. I am his child. I am his creation. I am his purpose. I have such a plan given to me by him. He knows the hairs on my head, so he knows me. And you're tired of playing that game. I want to lead you in a prayer. And maybe it's beyond that and it's bigger than that, then I want to encourage you to pray this prayer as well. And if you've prayed this prayer before, the prayer of salvation, you've been saved all your life or you just got saved yesterday, whatever that looks like, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer along with others to encourage them. Edification of the church through encouraging and loving those around you by praying this with me. So if you'll pray this with all you have, just repeat after me and say, Dear God, thank you for Jesus his sacrifice, his love, his mercy. Thank you for forgiveness. Make me new. Renew my life. Show me my purpose. And help me to live like you. Live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank him right now. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's program at The Life Church. Our prayer is that you've been blessed by this morning's message and that God would continue to speak into your heart throughout the week. We are so excited about what God is doing right here at The Life Church as we connect people with God's purpose. Again, if you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us for a visit at 3301 TLC Way. We have two Sunday morning services for you to choose from, 9.15 and 11 a.m. Again, our prayer is that you've been blessed and we hope you have a great week.